welcome back to A Texan Abroad. This is the eighth in my series of 30 political conversations. Video podcasts I'll be putting up on Instagram TV, but also you can find the audio versions on my podcast channel, A Texan Abroad, available on iTunes or anywhere you, where you find podcasts. So find me there, subscribe, rate, and review. Let me know how I'm doing, either in the comments here on Instagram TV uh, or over on the podcast feed as well. Uh, thank you for the tips about the audio. I'm trying a different uh, audio setup here using my wired mic because I think it's going to have a little bit better quality, but we'll see. Uh, yesterday, I talked a little bit about perhaps the most pertinent, the most relevant kind of topic that's covering uh, America right now, which is the pandemic, covering the world, I should say. Uh, today, I'd like to talk about something that was very important to America, is very important to America, that's taking the country by storm over the last six or seven months. And that is about the police violence uh, and the subsequent protests. Uh, I am assuming that some people out there would say, actually, it's not something relatively new. The protests are what makes it new and more modern and more relevant. But the police violence itself has actually been going on for some time. Uh, Which leads me to the first question. Do I think that our police officers racially biased against minorities? Um, To to be honest, yes, uh, in some cases. We need to, when we look at any profession, when we look at any particular person, understand that everybody comes into whatever they're doing with their own life experiences and ideologies and everything else. Are there racist police officers? Sure. Are there racist teachers? Are there racist presidents or legislators or uh, lawyers or any other kind of profession? CEOs, executives, salespeople, uh, baristas or any other kind of profession? Yeah, absolutely they're racist. Now, does it affect us as much as police officers? Uh, probably not. We, we expect and hold our politicians and public servants to a higher standard. Uh, perhaps that's fair, perhaps not. Um, I do not think the majority of police officers think about race, think about uh, some sort of inner hate. Um, And I'll talk about hate and prejudice and systematic racism a little bit tomorrow. But I don't think that the majority of police officers think like that. I mean, let's not lump all cops into the same bin. Think about their job. They, it's perhaps one of the most thankless professions. Like a lot of jobs, I talked about politicians and lawyers before, um, you've got a lot of people who just look at that profession negatively. I'm actually in a country, uh, Russia right now, where people absolutely despise the police officers because of the amount of corruption that goes on. I don't think American police officers uh, have nearly as bad of a reputation or are looked down upon nearly as much as they are here. But still, when you say that, when someone says that they're a police officer, while it used to have some meaning of pride, and I hope it still does for a lot of people, some people think about the protest and the police violence and they have kind of a negative association. But these are people that put their lives on the line to try and make their city, their community a safer place. And don't get me wrong, I think there are, I tend to think of police officers in three forms. The, the one, the truly heroic, who decide to take on that responsibility and that, that calling in order to make the world better, to make their community better, because they truly believe that's what police officers do. 
Two, people who don't have a lot of options in terms of career paths, and they choose to do this because they see it as a job, as a, as a way to perhaps make a little bit of a difference, to find a rewarding job, but one that pays decently well. They see it like a career, no, no better, no more, no less than someone who's a secretary or a lawyer or anything else. And then perhaps a third type where this is the individual that sees it as a source of power. Um, and that last type of individuals are the ones that kind of spoil the bunch, so to speak. Um, and that brings me to the next question, which is, should we quote-unquote defund the police, especially because of that third and final group? I think there's a real big issue with the defund the police movement. I've said this to a lot of friends recently. It's more of a marketing problem than anything else. When you actually start to dive into the literature and to the ideas that the defund the police movement has, it's not about defunding the police. It's about understanding when you should police send police officers to certain situations. And if there's a marital dispute or if there's uh, you know, a homeless person who's causing unrest, is it necessary to send a police officer who's armed into that situation, even when enforcing traffic violations and other things like that? Perhaps there are better ways to address those issues than to send or to have police patrolling in that particular fashion, in that particular way. I don't know what the right answer there is. Uh, I think that there's a lot of questions that could be asked. Um, I don't know that we need to take away the police in the, all of those circumstances or other circumstances that are described, but I don't know that we don't either. I think there should be some investigation, understanding of all of the different scenarios in which police find themselves and how can we limit the kind of reactions, bad or good, by police officers in those situations. Regardless, whether we want to send police out not send them out, train another group of people to send out. This isn't defunding the police. This is a matter of resource reallocation yeah, uh, to understand what is the best way to utilize the resource that we have at our disposal as a city or a county or a country, state. And that's why I think when you put something like defund the police, getting rid of the police, and the people that I've talked to who are in favor of the kind of defund police movement, they don't want to get rid of police officers generally. No one has that radical of an idea, although some people might. Um, but the name itself turns people off and it makes people kind of deaf to the overall message, which is that we need to have some changes in the system that we've already got set up. We don't necessarily need to tear down the whole thing. Maybe some fundamental restructuring and rethinking. For me, I think the biggest thing is actually just retraining to understand uh, who it is that we're actually putting in these positions, help them, give them the tools, the emotional, the physical, the mental tools to do their job so much better. Um, and educate the communities in which they serve about the um, roles that they serve in those communities and help the people and the police kind of work together to make their communities um, a much safer place um, and help to de-escalate situations uh, as opposed to escalate them, which kind of leads me to the third question. How should police handle protests and protesters? The main thing, and I've always thought about this, whether I'm arguing or disagreeing with a friend or uh, meeting a person for the first time who has a negative opinion about Americans, America, lawyers, whatever, you don't fight 
anger or disapproval with equal and opposite anger and disapproval. Uh, you fight it with open minds and open hearts. You try to understand why someone thinks that your country or the group of people that you belong to is so radically bad uh, and try to understand their perspective because the other side usually they have a reason for it maybe the reason's bad maybe it's good who knows but the point is someone who's coming at the situation in an emotional way is not thinking very clearly so you need to understand that the other side has uh, a grievance a real grievance and protesting is a way of expressing that grievance you know to me the most fundamental thing about the u.s the thing that makes it it's not the only country with free speech uh, or freedom of thought but i think it's one of the few countries in the world where it's used and expressed and um, that particular freedom is seen in such a fundamental way um, more so than than a lot of other places and i always go back to a great movie the american president um, where he, in the very end of the movie, is kind of expressing uh, his sentiment about what he thinks about freedom of speech. And he says that the freedom, the idea of freedom cannot just be a flag. It also has to be the right of a citizen to burn that flag in protest. That America is advanced citizenship. And it absolutely is. It's complicated. It's difficult you have to be willing to acknowledge someone standing center stage shouting in favor of something that you would spend your life shouting against. You have to be able to understand that person that's screaming and what their message is and sit down and talk to that person about it. That's America. That's freedom of speech, freedom of thought. Whether that thought is illogical, irrational, emotional, whether it's a racist or anti-racist or it's something that you believe or don't believe, freedom of speech and freedom of expression are so incredibly fundamental to America and to the world and to democracy that we can't restrict it. And that brings me to the next question, are the protests doing more harm than good? Because some of those protesters in trying to exercise their free, free speech, actually I, I will take that away because it's not it's not actually the protesters. It's some people who are caught up in the moment, maybe go out there for their own selfish reasons and become rioters, become looters. Those are not the same things. Uh, rioters and looters are not the people who are protesting and vice versa. The people who are out there stealing and breaking things, they are not the people who are out there with a message to deliver to the police and to the government and to the other citizens of that great country. No. They, they are completely different. But if you're a protester and you see someone going too far, and remember, I was just talking to a student about this, our freedoms, including the freedom of expression, only goes so far as to not interrupt with the freedoms of others. And if there's a store owner or another person, they have the freedom to have their property and rights protected as well. So when you see someone who goes too far, who crosses that line from a protester into a looter or a rioter, and you don't do anything about it, that's also on you. We are, and I've talked about this a few times in some of the uh, podcasts that I've already done, we are the silent middle. That's what most of us are. Whether here in, a, here in uh, Russia or there in America, there's so many people that are in the middle. 
but we stay silent because of the nature of the debate, uh, because of the emotion involved, because we don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. Don't be the silent middle. Be the loud middle. Be the people who stand up to those rioters or looters and tell them that, you know what, we're trying to get a message across and it's incredibly important that we do so. And try and do your best, not just to protest peacefully, to show people that you have a message, but to make sure the other people that are with you are doing the same. So the last question, how do we get these two sides to come together? The police and the people who support them with all their heart and the protesters who have a genuine grievance, who believe that the system is stacked against them uh, because of systematic racism or for whatever reason they may have. I think the first thing is, is mainly leadership. Uh, the kind of leadership that I don't think we are showing right now. Leadership that brings people together, uh, that sees both sides, that understands the idea of compromise, um, that works towards real solutions. Solutions that benefit both sides, that see the flaws, um, but also see the good and what the people are doing. The world isn't perfect. America isn't perfect. The police system isn't perfect. Nothing we have built or designed is perfect because humanity, America, every country in this, uh, on this planet, they are made up of humans. And hum to be human is to be flawed. Uh, societies and the systems that we build will only be or will always be a reflection of our own fallibility. And that's okay. Um, what we need is to work together towards a better, brighter view, vision and version of humanity. And to be honest, that's all that I ever try and do. That's all that I ever want out of the people that I know in my life, the people that I vote for, uh, the people that I choose to follow. And I hope that's all that all of you can expect and try and do as well. Just to be the best version of yourselves to get together and try to come to some sort of understanding about how we can make this world a little bit better place. And we can do that together by being the leaders that we should be, by voting for the leaders that bring us together, not push us apart. Think about that. And until tomorrow, I'm a Texan abroad. Uh -huh.